2: plus.
3: welcome once again, everyone, to PWT Talks NXT. I'm Kelly Wells. I am your host. You can find me all over social media at Spooky Milk. Um, Nate, you yelling at me to unmute us while I was unmuting us through me. I almost said you can uh, find me all over social media at pwtorch.com. Um but uh but you can find me there uh you just can't find my social media you can find my recaps of nxt that's what i do there um did you know listeners that today is national podcast day um it is and that's very fitting because uh this is going to be hours four and five behind the microphone for me today uh a day full of talking about wrestling it's uh it's a lot folks but um but it's NXT, and uh, and I'm somewhat fond of the product, so I guess we're good for now. Anyway, I'm Kelly Wells. That's uh, that's who I am. I already covered that. Let us go to the usual gang of idiots. Tom Staub, who are you? Man, Kelly,
4: you and your fake internet holidays. It's always some National Puppy Day or <laughs> National Matryoshka Tall Day or something. I you. wish Motivational it Motivational Monday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, at Tom Stoup. And uh, because there were a few people behind the plexiglass tonight Including the finally back on my television screen, Kavita DeVee I've been tracking that one as best as I can um, I And I don't think there were any last week I made a swing through Full Sail, just got back And there was no evidence of a recent taping So either... Uh, I don't know. I was wondering after I saw the people behind the plexiglass if if the covid outbreak changed the fact that the changed to the usual taping two shows at a time thing. And it's entirely possible that they taped it and cleared out. And I just missed them. But every other time that I've swung through um, when I thought that they were going to be there, there were still like some camera guys uh, on, you know, packing stuff back up. So for whatever that's worth.
3: You know, I didn't notice Kavita DeV back there. I don't notice who's behind the plexiglass, and tonight, I don't even know if I could have told you for sure if there were people behind the plexiglass. I noticed last week when there weren't, but I didn't notice that there were this time. And uh, I'd like to think if I saw her, I would have uh, I would have known immediately and not said, I wonder which six and a half foot uh, Indian woman that is. <laughs> um, yeah, right. She was standing
4: I'm, next to somebody else who was kind of tall, so that she didn't look particularly tall, but then a few uh, a few other people over, Brandy Lauren was there, and it was like, okay, there's the height differential I right. needed to, to see.
3: There you go. And, uh, and the other idiot with us on this journey today is Nate Lindbergh. What's going on
5: guys, I'm here to throw Kelly off as best as I can to start the show off uh, I also write the uh, NXT hits and misses, at least when I uh, remember to save it before sending it in Which uh, I didn't last week, and, and I lost it before my computer crashed So hey, Tom, thanks again for saving my butt and writing it up for me Because I didn't have time to do it before uh, uh, today So uh, yeah, but my, uh, my column will be on the website uh, this week I swear, I put it in the cloud, it ain't going anywhere
3: you want to email us you sure can pwtorchnxt at gmail.com we got a number of emails that we are going to go through today um, normally i start with the main event today i am going to start with an email then we'll go to the main event this is from our friend paul diem hey gents looking forward to hearing your analysis of the show tonight And what should be a really interesting, if rushed, takeover this weekend. A couple of thoughts from the show. Number one, they have to pull this welcome to the ball pit line from Shotzi. I love watching her in the ring. I hate hearing her speak. Someone please get her in an acting class. She has so much potential, but the absolute lack of authenticity in her voice is jarring. Right now, she seems like she's cosplaying. Number two, the absolute opposite of that was the Swerve Escobar sit-down. For my money... That was one of the best two-person promo segments I've seen on WWE programming in years. Two people talking to each other like people, sounding like people. Goal-driven, purpose-focused, and both were responding verbally and non-verbally honestly while the other spoke. Scott bolted himself up leaps and bounds tonight for me. He wasn't just a characterization of swerve. Everything was purposeful. I wish there was a way for both to win Sunday. Number three, I also thought the Balor O'Reilly segment was strong. I wish it was live without the dramatic backing music, but I thought they both got over their personal Personalities and where they were coming from. Again, this made me even more into the match, which I think has the possibility of being pretty darn special in the ring. Number four, not an authenticity point exactly, but Ricochet being mentioned in the Cole Theory match, just a coincidence, are prepping us for an, uh, a possible return. One could only hope. Thanks, Jars of Mayonnaise. Always my favorite listen of the week. So that that be a lesson to you folks um if you call us your favorite listen we uh we open the show with you so there you go um yeah authenticity is a big thing for me it's hard because what brings so many of these wrestlers to the table is not acting like that's not the side of it that gets them into it it's not a lot of um scrawny actors like me that say i could do that wrestling thing it's people with a wrestling background that are like i could maybe figure out the acting thing um so it's understandable that that sometimes lags behind and uh to get somebody who's dynamite at both um i mean that's the holy grail but there are only so many of them but uh yeah welcome to the ball pit it's a dumb line um in moderation I think I can live with it. Her, her delivery of it is not good. Um, and then today it had the added issue of forcing, uh, because she was about to drop, uh, legs on, uh, on Dakota Kai. And she made Dakota just sit there forever while she yelled out her catchphrase. (laughs) And it was like, it was like waiting for the worm to happen. And it was like, he would never lay down that long from a chop. Um, Huh, so that was uh, upsetting in a in a very good match, which we will get to. Um, I don't know if there's anything to go through on uh, authenticity. I thought that was definitely interesting enough to read, but uh, Tom, you're uh, you're on the other side of the camera. Uh, how do you feel about this?
4: I think I think a lot of it will be worked into our analysis as we go point by point. Um, I, I I guess I'll be in the middle on most of it because I think a lot of things like just taking the swerve escobar sit down or the two sit downs i think swerve escobar the framing of it felt authentic to their characters but they felt like they were reciting lines for the ultimate goal of getting into a video package later um and then balor and o'reilly i felt like the framing was odd and it's not what i would have picked for them but their characters it, they felt authentic in where they were coming from, and ultimately, yes, uh, achieved getting me far more excited for for that match on such short notice. Um, and the, yeah, the Shotzi thing—I mean, that was an excellent match, um, maybe the best we've seen from Shotzi so far. And I've been very lukewarm on her, um, more or less. It's 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 kind of hit and miss in the range of lukewarm. Uh, and and tonight, I was she really made me sit at attention like oh this is really good and then she hits that line and the match just screeches to a halt um so i think that that is a big problem and i do think that the ricochet thing is just a coincidence as much as i would love for him to come back to nxt um i think that 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 was just such a memorable spot that they have replayed so many times and that has gotten shared around social media so often that when it happens again you mention the wrestler by name
3: yeah, it's um, I'm kind of all in. I'm buying into uh, what you're selling on it, on it maybe being Ember Moon. Um, although we have a very very interesting email uh, about the possible about uh, who that could be later on that uh, that I never considered and isn't probably likely, but um, but it'll be fun to talk about anyway. Uh, let's just go to the main event and we'll work that in and, uh, anything Nate has to say with, uh, the rest of that, because kind of have a somewhat busy show, though not nearly as busy as last week. The main event was a mixed tag, Damian Priest and Io Shirai versus Johnny Gargano and, uh, Candice LeRae. If you set aside the conceit of how dumb it is to have a tag team where, um, each person can only face one of the other team. If you set that aside, it seems like WWE has gotten pretty good at booking these in a fun way. Um, they don't feel overly important necessarily, but uh, but they do see there was a lot of fun be, to be had here. Priest and Shirai had a bit they did before uh, a team interview with Sarah Schreiber uh, and uh, where... They said they were rock stars, and it, it was it was pretty cute. I like this bit, um, and this team actually seemed like a believable pairing, uh, even at least just for one night. So, in any event, uh, of course the challengers go over as you would expect in this uh, kind of two singles champs versus two challengers um, situation before uh, in a go home show. Johnny pins uh, Damian Priest after Candice LeRae. Hits Johnny with the low blow. This went 10-14, so, you know, main event, but it was the third longest match on the show. These are more uh, showcases of of fun and a little bit of tomfoolery, uh, some decent spots, and then it basically existed just to have Johnny and Candice holding the belts up high after uh, the match. Um, I think one of these, but not both, We'll be winning gold on Sunday, and uh, we'll get to my prediction in a moment. Let me go to uh, Nate and have you talk about uh, this main event. Sure. So, yeah, like you were kind of saying, uh,
5: intergender intergender matches, tag matches are kind of they can be a little interesting to book because you know you, you can you can you know it's males versus males, females versus females. It's the way it goes. Um, so you know a lot of times it, it feels like uh, you know like let's say the guy tags out and you get to have both women come in the ring. You know it almost feels like the momentum of the match completely just stops and shifts at that point, um, or it feels like you've got two separate, completely separate matches going on that kind of just take a pause, take a break and then you go you know you, you go from the guys to the girls and yada yada um but like you said wwe has kind of done a pretty good job of making them feel a little bit less like that um i think it's a little unavoidable to kind of get a little bit of that vibe uh, at, at points throughout the match and i and i did have that vibe at, at some points throughout this match but that said you know, there was still a lot of um there was still a lot of opportunity where, you know, everybody was involved at the same time. Um, you know, you still had a couple points where, uh, I mean, I was taking it to, to, uh, Gargano, um, you know, Loray, uh, you know, Loray had praised a couple times. So, you know, th- there was still some, um, there was still some workings there, uh, that kind of allowed for a bit more continuity in the match. But, um, you know, regardless, it's still, uh, it still worked and it was fun. Um, I, I think uh, the the pairing of uh, Shirai and priest was a was a great pairing they they seemed to work really well together um i uh i liked the the little p- promo that they cut before the uh before the match it i where i liked it and i mean it was you know like you said it was kinda cute and all that it it didn't get me as pumped up for the match for them As I would have liked like I got there was a lot of energy and a lot of stuff, uh, just a lot of energy with the two uh, the Gargano segment earlier in the night um, with with, uh, them talking and and, uh, what they were going to do to Priest and Shirai later on. And uh, at at that time, they were also addressing the whole Knox uh, ACL injury, which I'm sure we'll get into a lot later. You get into later. Um,
3: But actually, you can work that in now. So, um okay. Tegan Knox had a legitimate ACL injury um, that was announced right before I was on the Triple H conference call today, and then he talked about it at the end of the conference call. Hideous timing for her. There's never a good time to have your third ACL yeah. tear, but um, but Tegan has never had very good luck in the WWE. Every time... They seem like they're on a roll with her and finally defining her a little more. And this is this is the best best presentation we've ever got of her. It seems like that's when uh, Calamity strikes. And it's just so yeah. unfortunate. They did, of course, use this opportunity to frame it as something that happened as a result of uh, Candace's beatdown. But as we know now, it probably – I thought it – was actually kind of cool that they wrote tegan out of the battle royal and that did more for her than uh than a basic battle royal showing would have uh been but at that time they probably knew something was wrong with the knee and they were just getting ahead of it so um yeah. so at any rate uh yes that cool. is why they fi- they framed the scene as they did
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: If you listen to the show, you know I'm a fan of Audible. I love my membership. It's so great to lose myself in an audiobook, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, current events, or history. Or like I talked about uh, earlier this summer, for me, an arcane topic, uh, the book The History of Bourbon. Uh, so if you are interested in expanding your horizons or diving deep into a subject you already know... There's no better way to do that than with an audible membership, a vast selection of audiobooks, an unmatched selection, in fact, on so many different topics. Right now, I'm about to dive into my latest download, which is Dan Rather, Stories of a Lifetime. I also uh, just downloaded a history book on the Renaissance. Uh, It's a topic that anytime I hear anything about it, I'm fascinated by it and want to know more. And now, I am uh, one click away from a 21-hour book called The History of the Renaissance. And I really am excited when I'm in the mood to kind of take a break from wrestling and sports and some of the topics at like current events and politics. The more I learn about human history and to learn about a time when human beings just completely moved into, shifted into a whole new gear as just people, as human beings, um, creatively and and technologically. Uh, I'm just, I'm super excited to, to dive into this book. So, I hope you can get excited too with an Audible membership, and they make it easy because you can go and get a free audiobook right now. Just visit audible.com slash wade or text wade to 500-500. That's audible.com slash wade or text wade to 500-500, and they'll send you a link to get your free audiobook. You might think, well, I don't have time to read books. Why would I have time for audiobooks? Well, that's the great thing about Audible, and this absolutely is the case with me. I turn audio books on when I'm in the kitchen doing dishes. I don't even need headphones or Bluetooth. I just play through my phone speakers. They're good enough these days when I'm cleaning the kitchen or folding laundry or driving, uh, running errands. Uh, I've got my phone with me. I've got the book downloaded, and there's no commercials. You push play, and you know that you're going to be entertained and informed with whatever book you choose from their thousands and thousands of titles. So, again, go check it out. It's audible.com slash Wade, or text Wade to 500 500
5: And, uh, you know, to to that point, too, is, uh, you know, I know the the injury report that they come out with is is kind of a, you know, you never know if it's worked or or not. And they did. I think it was on Thursday last week. It came out um, and I don't I don't typically watch it, but it just kind of happened to show up my YouTube feed. And they mentioned that she had an ACL tear. And I've been wondering all week if it was legit or not. Um, And then, you know, when when I heard today that it was, it was just uh, it was absolutely heartbreaking, heartbreaking for her. Um, you know I mean? I, I covered the Mayon classic. I know Tom was in the building when, when it happened to her the second time, you yeah, know, I was covering it for the torch at the time. Um, absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I hate to see it. And it's this, this is the best that they've used utilized Tegan Knox. So it's uh, it is, it's heartbreaking to see this happen at this particular time for her. But, um, but like I was saying, you know, the, the, The Gargano segment, um, you know, where they were addressing this Tegan Nox thing, and they were addressing Shireen Priest later on in the night. Wow, I'm amazed I could actually remember where my train of thought was. Um, But where they were addressing that earlier in the night, there was just a lot of energy from that duo from the from the Garganos. Now, obviously, they're married and they've been, you know, they they've got that natural chemistry. So of course, you're going to have a little bit more energy from them. But once, but because of that, for me, it just felt like there was a stark difference once we got to that. A uh, little promo with uh, Shirai and Priest where it was good and they they seemed like they had you know decent chemistry or whatever, but it didn't quite seem as energetic for me as i as i would have liked it, it might be a nitpicky thing i've got a few nitpicky things as the night goes on i mean but given uh, that
3: they're not married you know. and they don't speak the same first language it might be a little nitpicky <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah right, fine. i fine. i liked it a lot for the fact that i mean this is not going to be an ongoing team or anything like that i thought um they did pretty well with what they had with these two and uh finding something that is kind of a commonality between them because neither one of them is a rock star exactly but you can kind of see that maybe fitting into an aspect of their personality so to use that to kind of bring them together as a team i thought was kind of a nice touch
5: yeah by far by far so but uh, no, overall uh overall i I dug it i dug uh dug the segment and uh, i'm looking forward to both these singles matches
3: the lead up and uh, the main event 10 fourteen heels go overtime
4: well uh, first of all I agree with everything you guys said about Tegan um, and last week before we knew about the injury we were saying that Candace was the absolute right pick to go against EO not just for Candace's own reasons uh, and the intrigue at takeover possibly being higher with Candace than than many other options but also because it raises the stock of candace's other feud with tegan and and which was uh i mean i love having i love that we can say that there are tertiary women's feuds on this program but it was the tertiary women's feud going on um so that that raised that stock with with something like what's going on with casey cat and right right behind it to fill that spot um but now we look back and we wonder if going with Candice here was actually an audible because they decided that what was, you know, what they had planned for Candace and Tegan was no longer an option. And they didn't want to lose any steam with with Candice. And they knew that uh, people like Rhea and Raquel would be perfectly well served without having the the title to fight over uh, for now. Uh, and then the question becomes the questions become how confident will WWE be with a three time knee injury sufferer, uh, how confident will they be running with her when she's healed? How confident will she be that this is something she wants to continue doing? And that's, you know, I, I, I'm i not trying to put words in anybody's mouth, but it's, it's a question mark that comes up. And then perhaps more than that because i would imagine that wwe would want to go with her and that she would want to continue doing this uh then can she be like a champa or a gargano and we've drawn those potential comparisons quite a bit and they've faded away quite a bit as the characterization has not come together but can she rise to the occasion and really blow us away right out of the gate and and make the most of yet another setback that you can turn into gold when you return after being all but forgotten and and not just a mediocre series of poor me videos that don't really lead to much um i the 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 phrase main rostery has been thrown around a lot uh regarding today's nxt and i haven't entirely agreed with that particular framing although i recognize certain issues this main event total main roster i mean you can just like not pay attention and and look at the end and be like yep yep them the challengers holding up the titles that's what i expected it's notable that johnny got the pin because there's no way that he's winning at takeover whereas candace actually seems like a very interesting choice to be the champion come sunday um so that's that's a much more intriguing uh result to not get a glimpse of yet uh or or to not feel like they're you know, um, doing their usual thing of of having the 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 person who's going to lose at the pay per view win on TV, uh, and yeah, I mean, again, I, I I criticize it for being main rostery and just being a, a a way for them to take what was a really really awful, just slapdash, like oh god, we need a North American title feud that they threw together last week and just put it, you know, continue the build. Um, but it was it was it was fine, it was amusing, and I did enjoy the the it was basically sexual tension between Damien Priest and Io Shirai but being careful enough with it that they're not ter- trying to turn them into sexual characters particularly uh with with Io it was uh, much more tactful like the, during their interviews Damien is just like uh he, he just takes a moment to be like damn you really are cool and then afterwards what was the exact line Io said something where she was just like yeah he's he's
3: right, okay too yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah. I wrote, I wrote so, it down in my.
4: Yeah. So that dynamic was was fine, but um, for being the main event segment, it was one of the more minor elements of uh, tonight's program.
3: Yeah, I, I didn't even know whether to put it on last, but um, but I don't know that there was another like super main event to promote either. So, uh, so I went with this. Um, so that's it. Uh, if you want to call us, you can do that, 515-605-9345, and dial 1 to get queued up, um, and our friend Darrell did just that, and we're going to ask him what he thought of this week's go-home show. Darrell, you're on. Let us know uh,
7: what you thought. How you guys doing today? You able to hear me? Oh, yeah. Loud and clear, sir. Okay. Um, today's show was um okay, somewhat needed. They had um video package heavy, few of my likes and um a lot of my likes and um a few of the sit downs. Um, you guys have brought uh, brought them up um where well, uh, my first question to be about one entangled with a match. Okay, I like the um Adam Adam Cole and Austin Theory match. I like how they had Adam Cole came out there and um gave the promo to stand up for Kyle. I don't know because at first I was thinking that this was something so they could set up some type of um, evolution type of situation. If Kyle would have won, they would drop Kyle or something like that. But then listening to Kyle in that sit down, which I like the debate form that they set up for that uh, Finn and Kyle O'Reilly sit down. Take, which was different than the other sit down that they had earlier, but um, how Kyle was talking and the washing the hand, how um, they said UE they wash each other's hands and stuff like that, and how he was coming off made me feel like that they could be switching this the other way around where Kyle takes over the UE even if he loses, and then they get rid of Adam Cole. Um, what did you guys think about that, and and how did you guys like? It?
3: The Undisputed Era, three years after their inception and a year or two after times where we said they got to move on because uh, they got tag team matches that are seeming samey in a lot of ways. Uh, three years after their inception, they're, uh, they're really, once again, the most gripping thing on the show. Uh, I don't know where they're headed with this. It really seemed that Kyle and... Adam, we're going to land on the babyface side of things, but it might be a really effective red herring, as you say, um, where uh, Adam Cole will be the odd man out. Cole seems super um, legit. Uh, Let's say authentic, because uh, Paul Diem brought it up, uh, as he promotes Kyle as uh, the next champion. But Kyle who's been acting kind of like a baby face, really immediately got into heel mode uh, for this match with Finn Balor, where Finn is a very useful champion in that you can give him heel or face challengers and he can just kind of pivot. That's just kind of where they have him. And it really, really works for him. It doesn't work for most, but it does work for him. Um, Yeah, I, is the, sit down in the music a little overwrought I I guess maybe but I didn't mind this framing um, I think I'd probably just remove the what I removed uh, I don't know um, what I thought was funny was HBK being there in a role where I understand that you use him to promote it but uh, he really it, it could have been anybody he was very inconsequential there but, yes, this was okay stuff, and I think they're trying to get some lemons uh, lemonade out of lemons here because this came together fairly quickly because I think right now this would have been Karrion Cross versus uh, Tommaso Champa, but everything is thrown way the heck out of whack here. So okay, round two,
2: name something that's not boring.
6: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from Progressing.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the red logo and the blue logo.
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tom on that segment. Yeah. And Darrell,
4: I noticed that in your PW Torch column, you gave Piper Niven versus Kaylee Ray a hit. I couldn't agree with you more. That match was fantastic. Uh, really, really loved that. Um yeah Sean Michaels is looking pretty good after getting destroyed with a by a chair by Randy Orton on on Monday night which is very similar to what I said to Big Show when I met him after a raw where he got his eyes burned by Kane and he just looked at me and as I as I've told on the podcast before he said it's it's just a show kid, a show, kid. <laughs> like, so whatever um uh, we'll just we'll say that that's why it was framed like this, so we could understand that it was taped out of sequence. Um, I yeah I speaking of the framing, I was when they said that Shawn Michaels was was doing it, I was expecting typical Sean. I was expecting him to to strut out and and say something like, "Oh man, there's there's a takeover already. What's what's happening to my brain in this old age?" That was that was quick, uh, or something you know goofy like that. Um, but man, I. Kyle is a heel. I thought Kyle was just the full-on babyface that he has been presenting himself as for uh, for a couple weeks here. And there's a lot of stuff that we co- could cover in talking about this. And I know we have a lot of uh, questions about Undisputed Era in, in the emails tonight. So I guess I'll just uh, hone in on uh, on where it seems like they're going. And I think I went into – I know I went into tonight – feeling like the way that i would fantasy book the match is neither way neither way does kyle win but i think i would do it in a way where earlier in the show you probably have a segment with cole and strong and they're strong is just like all right so what's what's the plan we're you know gonna wait until he looks like he needs it and then we'll we'll run out and help him the undisputed airway and cole is more like no man come on it's kyle he he doesn't need us. This is this is his show. He can he can do it. This is this is all on him. And there's a, a little bit of a, a difference in philosophy as how they're going to approach whether to or whether or not to interfere in the match. And then there is a sequence that that where Strong does end up running in and there's a disagreement that doesn't lead to the finish right there, but maybe creates a situation where uh, Kyle has some sort not an injury but like has, Finn starts working a body part. And he's able to get that opening because of Strong's interference and the disagreement on the outside or whatever. It doesn't sound very takeover main eventy, but I'm hoping that I was thinking maybe they could do it in a, in a tactful way that doesn't that there's still like 10 minutes left in the match that we, we can really feel like we got a great match out of it. But ultimately, there's that disagreement that leads to the further crumble after tonight. And of course, I'm, I'm the guy who said that I want Adam Cole to be just like the biggest baby face in the world over and over and over again. And I still do. But the way that Cole, I mean, Cole was out there. He cut the promo. He wrestled Austin Theory and blah, blah, blah. But cutting the promo to the camera, saying that Kyle is going to shock the world. And, and by the way, Kyle, please don't shock the world. Bad things happen when wrestlers try to shock the world. Um, but cutting that promo to the camera, saying that Kyle is, is going to do it and there's, there's no one better to do it. And then having Kyle focus on Cole in the sit-down and saying that I, – I forget the exact words, just talking up how, how pretty Cole is and how great Cole is and everything. I'm like, man, these guys really are buttering each other up. And it seems to be setting up something where Cole would – Turn on O'Reilly after O'Reilly's failure at takeover because Cole is just banking so much on the Undisputed Era's continued success, and he has put so much into saying that yes, this is Kyle O'Reilly's time, and he's the perfect man for the job. O'Reilly fails, and and then you get the turn. And believe me, I'm just as sick as anyone else of predicting Undisputed Era turns, but the closer and closer we get to whenever it's going to happen the more and more and more it feels like we are closer to it happening. And and tonight, really, again, I've said this before about many other shows, but tonight really felt like it was setting that up.
3: Nate, on uh, the sit down. So I
5: didn't necessarily mind the whole cinematic, uh, uh, you know, cinematic uh, presentation of this uh, segment. It, it, I do wish that it was kind of, you know, shot, uh, quote live i mean the show i don't think was shot live but you know what i mean shot in the ring you know kind of it, more traditionally uh because yeah like same thing i was you know where they used Shawn michaels so heavily to promote the segment i was i was kind of expecting a little bit more involvement um you know although i i did actually think the exact same thing as you tom you know, i'm like didn't you just get you know, I, I didn't watch raw but i remember seeing uh seeing a bunch of things but you getting beat up so but um but still it um uh, yeah, yeah, I I was kind of just surprised they, they they didn't use Shawn Michaels in a a little bit more of a Sean Michaels y type way. That said, um, you know, I mean, obviously you know, he was kind of just used for uh, probably to promote it or whatever. Uh but I I did like I liked the whole segment as a whole. Um, you know, the the kind of the debate form uh, format, um, you know, the it was a very it was very respectful. Um, and and that's one thing that I I, I kind of really appreciated about it going going into it. It was you know, there's there's a lot of respect shown from both sides, um, which is something you don't always see in wrestling and it's not something I want to see all the time because I mean, how compelling is a couple guys, you know, if you see it every week, a couple guys go, hey, you're you're really good. Hey, you're really good, too. Let's fight. You know, that's that's not super compelling TV. But in this case, I I dug it. I liked it. They showed mutual respect for one another. And then it, it kind of sort of I don't want to say devolved from there, but, um, you know, it was the way that it the way that they kind of introduced the, the little bit of conflict, um, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, I forget exactly how he said it, but you know, essentially saying that, you know, he was better than, than Finn Balor. He was going to beat him or, or something to that effect. I don't remember exactly what it was. But it was Kyle O'Reilly that introduced, uh, he you know a little bit of conflict there. And, um, it just, it, it, it really it really worked usually when we see a sit-down style um you know between sit-down style like interview or whatever between two uh two you know competitors that are going into a title match it, it almost always ends up in some sort of a brawl or you know somebody going through the table or or what have you and this didn't um and for what that's worth i mean like you know like i said it's not that doesn't always make for compelling tv this did this worked um I, I i really liked the way that kyle o'reilly came off here um you know we we've talked about it in the past how just how great he is on the mic and he hasn't ever re- i don't say he's ever he's not ever gotten the opportunity to to talk on the mics so it's not true he certainly has but um I wish he had more opportunities to talk on the mic up to this point, Uh, especially after, especially after this, I think he, uh, he really killed it. Um, This is a match that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, You think it was in the Kyle O'Reilly video package, you know, earlier in the night, you know, it's, uh, he said that, you know, when he was on his way to Japan, um, or no, he was on, yeah, he was on his way to America. He Ballard was on his way to Japan when he was on his way to Japan, Ballard was on his way to America. So have never really touched in the ring. If that's, I don't know whether that's true or not. You guys probably would better than me. Uh, but assuming that is true, which I didn't, I didn't even know that, you know, I, I wouldn't even really thought about that. Uh, but this is, this is a dream match for, uh, for a lot of people, myself included. And,
3: um, I'm, I'm on the seriously. conference call on the conference yep. call. Uh, Triple H said that both guys have been clamoring backstage to wrestle each other, to work with each other, that awesome. that is a legitimate thing that they've wanted for a while. And they had to find the time for it.
4: Yeah. the fact to that. To add to what you're saying, Nate, the fact that they put that over um, Kyle in the way that you said that he did and then Finn in the way that he was saying that this match could change Kyle O'Reilly's life um it sounds extreme but the way that he delivered it i i I agree with you that both did an excellent job of putting one another over and and their desire to wrestle one another which on such short notice made this really really ridiculously quick build to a takeover uh for this main event anyway just feel all the more exciting like it, it it absolutely succeeded in making me uh very excited for this match on sunday 100%. 100%. And,
5: you know, and especially learning, learning what Triple H said on the call there that, you know, these guys have been clamoring for it. Um, you know, that just makes me so much more excited for this match than I was even after this segment, because when you've got two guys that really want to work together, especially two guys that are on the level of Balor and O'Reilly, you're going to have a good match. So th- I think we're going to be in for something special comes on
3: all right. Well, Durrell, what else uh, did you notice from this week's show?
7: Okay. Um, and, yeah, I think we're getting close to the turn, but I, I, I'm still thinking that Kyle O'Reilly taking away. So uh, with them turning on cold, but it, it'll be unique either way. Um, I thought with the two sit-down promo uh sit-down talks that they had, that they leveled out the two top matches on those those cards, which is Escobar versus um, Swerve, and then you got O'Reilly versus Finn. So I guess one gonna be the uh, first match will probably be Escobar and Swerve, and we finally get that NXT Cruiserweight match on the Takeover. I know you guys were saying that y'all they was reciting lines, which they were, but I like the setup and the scenery of the match and it made it feel even more important for it being that um, first title match and I know Triple H brought up uh, um, the cruiserweight title Escobar uh, on the conference call and um, so I like how they did that and I like how Escobar was li- um, looking with the dim light and sitting in the big boss seat and stuff like that and I just like the feel of it how did you guys like that and how did you guys feel about it now being on the takeover car for the first time and how did just the scenery of everything, even though they were reciting lines, make the match feel to you guys now. Afterwards,
3: So I too loved the way that, uh, this looked, they put, um, not only it's cool enough to have Escobar kind of sitting in this, uh, backdrop where he looks like the big boss. Um, Hey, I, I mean, he's a drug Lord. That's, that's what he is. Um, So that's how they had him look. Um, But it's even better when you contrast it to Swerve just in front of a simple brick wall. Um, And having those on the screen at the same time, I thought was a nice touch. And, uh, insofar as Tom's saying, uh, it, it felt like a lot of lines. I certainly got the sense that this was very much produced and, um, and they had a lot of things that they had to hit, but I thought they still did a pretty good job of interjecting and responding to each other and listening, which is something that a lot of, uh, Young actors or non-actors who get thrust into the acting gig kind of have issues with. It did seem like there was true listening going on, even though they had to say what they had to say. Uh, that I, I thought that this was pretty good, and it added a little bit more shine to me. I just wish this feud had gotten into the ring a little more. Uh, I mean, neither one of these guys really saw the ring much in the last couple of weeks For the, to the point where I got to wonder if there was a reason that kept them out, whether uh, somebody was ill or somebody couldn't get there or what that is. Uh, I thought it was odd. I definitely think that Escobar has very much earned his spot on a takeover card for what he has done to elevate the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, but we also have Swerve now who I said recently, I didn't ever want Escobar to lose the championship, but I'm at the point where I could absolutely live with Swerve winning this thing. And I wonder how much of the outcome is going to have to do with the fact that Jordan Devlin is still technically the cruiserweight champion. And if he comes back, they're going to want a babyface champion at that time for him to face. So with NXT UK back on and with travel restrictions, not totally what they were. uh, It's a good question of when that'll come up. Um, But Jordan Devlin may or may not be able to come back based on the nature of uh, his transgressions, which of course we already know we're never going to find out about because we're not finding about out about, uh, we're not learning the truth about theory or about dream. So um, Tom. Yeah,
4: I mean, they did sound scripted, but I don't want it to sound like too, too much of a criticism. Mostly what I'm getting at is that uh, it, it, sound, it sounded like this segment uh, is leading to whatever. This segment existed so they can pick out some key lines that were delivered particularly well. That they want to replay before the match on Sunday, because I don't think they're gonna give this a hype package like a full on hype video package. I think that they're just gonna you know like, oh, well, earlier this week, and then just play a couple lines real quick. So I think that's why this existed, and you could read that uh, you could you could tell. Uh, from the way that they were delivering it but yes they did fine particularly in the case of swerve uh, uh, since since cutting promos was something that was considered a relative weakness of his on the indies even though i always thought he was suitable but he's certainly improved uh uh, beyond that point um yeah, yeah the fact that um the fact that they haven't been on tv much lately like you said uh and of course here you know not in the same location um which speaking of yes, I, I as I, I sort of alluded to earlier, I loved the framing of it uh, exactly what you're saying about Escobar and Swerve uh, appeared to be in a recording studio, um, so so separately framing them as like a a, a made man uh, who made himself in in ways that that are not so moral and um, and a, a man who's trying to carve carve his own way um, the, the, that that was told in in the the visual framing of it but the yeah they're not on screen together they haven't been on screen with people in a while so yeah without getting into specifics i definitely it definitely ran through my mind like hmm well this person has been pictured with this person on social media recently and this person was conspicuously absent from tv last week when we got news of the outbreak hmm hope these guys can make it to sunday so that's that was definitely uh that was definitely there um and uh yeah, I think there was probably one other little detail I wanted to point out, but it's slipping my mind. It was it was fine. Um, yeah, the two biggest matches on Sunday, as Darrell said, I mean, the best built for sure um, since since there's an actual history to this one. And of course, O'Reilly versus Balor, they've just done a fantastic job of scrambling to to put that together, whereas the other items are um uh, not <laughs> the scrambling has not been quite as admirable the women's situation is fine um but but north american Kushida dream not 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 as much
0: with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
4: 18 plus wrestling fans if you're looking for a unique and entertaining way to get your wrestling podcast fix check out ring rust radio ring rust radio uses its trademark brand of banter to cover all professional wrestling you love including wwe nxt new japan lucha underground roh impact wrestling and more we also hold sit down interviews with some of the biggest names in the history of the business such as stone cold steve austin Shawn michaels bret hart chris jericho kurt angle Trish stratus aj styles and roman reigns for those of you who want their wrestling with a perfect mix of serious analysis and comic relief find ring rust radio dropping every wednesday night on blog talk radio itunes stitcher
3: and wherever you get your podcasts yeah um triple h was asked about covid twice on the call today and in one case uh I think the first one who asked, asked if there were any concerns about takeover and the card going off as planned. And although Triple H did express some, I think frustration, he's very careful and measured. He's good at that, but there did appear to be some frustration with people who uh, believe that um, the pandemic is just over because they're uh, tired of thinking about it. Um, he's, he's frustrated there, but um, he said that there was no reason to believe that the card would not go off as planned and 100% believed that that would happen. So obviously, we know that certain talents are being quarantined. We're getting a pretty good idea of who those might be, um, but we don't. It, it's going to be hard to say for a few weeks now. Um, and we'll never know the truth to that, but... There you go. Uh, I don't think that is what happened to these two. It's just strange to me that it seemed like there was a little bit of TV time for them, and they just never really got it. Nate.
5: Yeah. So the uh, I, I I dug this um you know this this little interview between uh, Escobar and Swerve um you know like and pretty much for everything you guys have said you know the the lighting the framing of it um I I. <sighs> So yes, it did kind of seem like they were scripted and reciting lines, but also at the same time, and this is something that Paul Diem said in his email, they also kind of seemed like they were coming across authentic, and I um, it's something I certainly picked up on. There's a couple times where it almost seemed like, and, and, and this might sound like it's a bad thing, but it's not, where Swerve was almost kind of like stumbling over his lines, and it almost and it, it it just made it feel that much more authentic to me. It wasn't like reading. Um, you just, just reading lines off a cue card or off a teleprompter or or reciting them from memory or whatever. Um, so I, I, I really just kind of appreciated the way that that whole thing was laid out. Um, this is, this is probably one of my favorite builds to, uh, to take over, um, or take under as we, we were calling it last week. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite builds so far. Um, I've been super high on the cruiserweight division since I mean since that uh, tournament a few a uh, few months back now. Um, so you know, thumbs up all around. I'm not gonna spend too much time on this. We uh, I think you guys hit everything pretty uh, pretty good.
4: And I remember the other thing. It's just weird that last week in Swerve's video package, he uh, he was mentioning. It was something basically saying, like, I haven't gotten a fair shot, basically saying that he wants Legato Del Fantasma barred from ringside. And he was saying the same thing tonight. And Fantasma or Escobar is just like, uh, yeah, no, you'll get a fair shot. Well, why don't I believe you? No, well, you should believe me. You're going to get a fair shot. And they never said that there's going to be any stipulation on the match. And maybe we'll get something announced on social media. Maybe we'll get something announced on Sunday. But it's just weird that they never got to that point that we're just taking Escobar on his word that that his his lackeys aren't going to get involved.
3: Right. And and maybe that's just setting up the moment where they get tossed from ringside sure. five minutes into the match. Because um, I don't know. I don't know that I see them getting a stipulation. Uh, it's it's enough that the Cruiserweight Championship is finally on a takeover um i also believe this is the first takeover ever that is all singles matches no triple threats no uh four ways no tag team matches it's just five singles matches um i don't think that has happened but uh but i would have to consult my uh my spreadsheet or my harley paget to find out so uh Darrell, what else you got for us
7: Okay Um, And thank you Tom For um, mentioning um, The hit to miss Hope you liked it Yeah that was the best match That I had seen In the past few weeks Especially for women anyway And just matches period
4: Yeah man It was fantastic um, The story told Was was great It's honestly one of the best matches I've seen all year
3: And now you're the one Who's caught up And I'm not I gotta (laughs) go. I gotta see that
7: Yeah, and she's the heel that everyone need needs to <laughs> at this time. So I, that that was played into the storytelling. So so um going into something else, and I know you guys were talking. Uh, uh, y'all Nate kind of brought up Kashida, and that's why I was going next. Um, Kashida, I like the package that they put on here, and I like how and he always and letting them speak on their, with their native tongue. Um, you know what they cool and familiar with and give us the, the subtitles, which I think a lot of people should do and shouldn't be scared of doing. I like how um, Kachita gave um, gave us that and told us everything about that. So, I want... That made me feel like I want to see what they're going to do with this um, Kachita match. And hopefully, it's a nice match, nice long match. And hopefully, he goes over and that can... Start a process of building Kushida up for maybe a potential uh, NXT um, Championship match. Since he, did, I think this is his first takeover, uh, as same as the NXT title match, so uh, or even a uh, title uh, NXT Championship match. So, what do you guys think? Which route would you guys like to see him go, and which route do you think they'll have him go? And how would y'all like the outcome of that?
3: Kushida, my man. Um, love this guy, obviously. Love that uh, that he is a project right now. Coming back, he's vicious. Um, and he. I, too, love that he's uh, speaking in his native tongue and they're giving us the subtitles. We've come a long way from when I was a 12-year-old kid and people spoke in other languages to get heel heat, just to get booed because they knew more than one language, Uh that is not the case anymore so Kushida uh speaks in his native tongue um he he always spoke with a flair so in new japan if you win the main event of a show you get mic time that's how they always do it uh if you're not in the main event you almost certainly are not going to get mic time on that show uh but you will get to do some backstage stuff afterwards. But the uh, but the only one who speaks in the ring is usually the winner of the main event. Kushida did that a lot because he was the ace of their junior division. And they have a guy who translates and tells us what he's saying. And his turns of phrase were always so weird. And he has such a great flair. And that just continued here, uh, where he said he was um, – he he's – the time has come to gear up a notch and go ballistic. I'm going to explode at TakeOver and dance into the core of NXT. God, I love that, man. Okay, so Kushida versus Tony Nese. Um, I kind of chuckled when I saw Tony Nice because I was like, Kushida just needs to flatten somebody here. And uh, Nice comes out to the ramp, and I go, that'll do nicely. Uh, two minutes and 12 seconds, Kushida... Um, Repeats a couple spots simply for the sake of looking um, ruthless and puts him down with the hoverboard lock. Does not do it with the flip from the top rope, which is a great flare, but doesn't necessarily work with the no-nonsense Kushida that we're starting to get. I do expect him to... He's not going to flatten Dream quick, I don't think, unless they don't care if Dream has any stock after this. Um, I think they do care, and Dream is quite a bit bigger than Kushida, so uh, I'm not sure. But I would be stunned if Kushida lost this match. I feel like this is almost as certain as a retention by uh, Finn Balor, because I think Kyle's story has a lot more legs left on it. But I've been wrong before. Uh, Tom, Kushida versus Tony Nese and uh, the continuing changes in Kushida.
4: Yeah, Back to the Future, Kushida is not for me. Um, Never quite connected with it. Uh, Family Man Kushida was fine, but it had a ceiling. And I kept on saying, uh, for various reasons, that I felt Kushida was... uh, It was inevitable that he was going to return uh, to the cruiserweight scene to eventually become the champion. And that's still a great option for him, and I never meant that as like, well, that's where, you know, he's just going to have to be the cruiserweight champion. I meant it as a good thing for him. But seeing this package, and especially the point where at the very end, he circles back to, was it just, yeah, it was just last week when I was saying that the hype package for the Eliminator Gauntlet was good in particular because it showed each entrant in their own element. And I was, and I I said Kushida was the exception because even though he was in an element, it didn't seem like it was his own. Well, clearly this is a new framing, framing of him because he looks right in the camera. I think he looked right in the camera and he said, new Kushida is vicious. And I was just like, OK, I'm on board with that. Cool. And I immediately started thinking of him in a different light with potential uh, contendership, contention uh, for either North American or the main title. And I, I think that would be really interesting to see um, and and uh, I think that's absolutely possible if they keep running with this. Yes, I agree. It is a sure thing that he is going to win at TakeOver. Uh, added to the fact that Dream has almost never been a character who needs wins. I, I think Dream is also a person who, although we would contest this, uh, for reasons that we've gone over and gone over uh, I think he's also somebody who can easily slot in To North American and main title contention right now uh, The way that WWE has been presenting him Since his return from the car accident um, And uh, and it doesn't matter that he's going to lose on Sunday Because he'll still find a way to talk himself into those matches
3: yeah, uh as far as I think Kushida's ceiling is uh that was that's a bigger question that has to do with uh how far out, how far out we're talking right now. I think you mm-hmm. can easily slot him into North American or um or uh or cruiserweight right now and I know that a couple of our listeners and maybe Nate last week were talking about putting him in uh, the main event scene, I think that's very precarious right now. And if it doesn't go right and it doesn't just break right for him, uh, he's going to be a full on reclamation project that they might not even bother with again. I think it's uh, too early for that, but he's now on a path where I can see that endgame maybe happening, but I'd be totally fine with North American or uh, Cruiserweight. Nate?
5: uh in my defense that's pretty much exactly what i said last week i said i could see him dancing with the main event but if he if he failed uh it would be it would be a big climb back uphill for him um you know to to kind of get back to where he is now so uh i uh, i really dug the video package with kushida um it, it really every every video package tonight, i want to give them props uh, on, on the video packages uh tonight cuz uh it they all they all came out uh like great and we haven't talked about the kyle o'reilly one yet but that was uh my easily hands down my favorite of the night um but the kushida package here it was it was it was good and and it you know kind of did explain a little a uh, little bit more about this this kind of quote new uh kushida that we've kind of seen um just it, pretty much tom exactly what you said when he said this new kushida is vicious that's exactly the reaction i had was okay i'm on board with this i like it um it it, it it's He's somebody that I've I've heard so much good about. I've seen so much good from, especially you know the things that I've gone back and seen, you know just just you know YouTube clips and stuff of him back in you know, New Japan and stuff. Um, and I, I want to see more out of him. I really do. And I'm 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 this has giving me a lot of hope that that uh, you know this is it's kind of um, you know the next the next launching pad for him, if you will, uh, because yeah, he has been kind of set back with injuries and whatnot. It seems like every time that there's something for him, something happens, you know, whether it be an injury, gets, you know, something gets shifted around or whatever. Um, so I'm really hoping that this is uh you know, this is a good launching pad for him. Um, and also, uh, i guess we had a, a lot of similar reactions tonight as soon as i saw tony nece come out um it was kind of a similar thing it was like i was expecting more of a job like a uh i say more of a jobber i, I actually in the hits and misses i called tony nece the jobber to the stars um but i i was kind of expecting you know, yeah, more expecting like leon ruff you yeah know, leon ruff like or, or something like that you know and uh but it, so it was kind of cool to see um a more uh, quote established a jobber come out um you know to 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 get uh, you know get get beaten up um you know by him but uh yeah i'm i'm really digging this whole new kind of vicious kushida and i'm i'm, I'm curious to see where it goes and uh, I'm, I'm on board i'm down with it 100 percent
1: searching for more great pro wrestling talk then join me jason powell host of the three weekly pro wrestling boom podcast each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other Pro Wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. All right, Darrell, do
3: you have one more for
7: us? Yes, I do, and I'm going to p these two together. Cameron Grimes is amazing, and I like his character. I know some people don't like the old school feel of the um, character and how he his promos, but tonight, he really did it for me. <laughs> I like how he um, had it. I like how they came out with Ridge Holland, and the match really wasn't a pin. It was like, I guess, uh, you know, a disqualification because he wouldn't stop, so I guess Cameron got the win. Um, I like everything about that. I want to know how you guys like that and that mysterious video of the person. I hope this mysterious person ain't um Bo Dallas just revamped without no explanation. It'll be interesting to see. And I know y'all was talking Amber Moon, but um I would I would like to see um who would this be and that right there. So those two questions: the mysterious video and Cameron Grimes. Great.
3: You had me at Cameron Grimes is awesome. He definitely is. Um, he oh god, I love him. So yeah, this was okay. So Cameron Grimes came out. I gotta get. I gotta find this on the screen because I want to say what it was called. He said last <laughs> week they had the uh, the Eliminator, uh, the Gauntlet Eliminator, and he just kind of shot on the uh, the name of the Gauntlet Eliminator and said that's too dumb. To uh to have anything to do with William Regal, so he didn't think that could possibly be him. So he's got an idea, the Cameron Grimes Invitational Stepping Stone to the Moon match, um, and he had handpicked his own opponents. Uh, to me, it's hilarious that an opponent comes out and his gear says Ariel Dominguez. And Cameron Grimes introduces him as Joey Pistachio and gives a list of, uh, I assume, worked um, accolades for him. All before he just caves him in and beats him in seven seconds. Then uh, he announces another guy, calls him Joey Strong, when the guy's gear says Lockhart. By the way, I think it's funny not only that he made fake names for these two guys, but both of them were Joey like he couldn't think of something better, like they were both Joey. Uh, and then Lockhart gets beat up by Ridge Holland. Ridge Holland comes to the ring, and he's not having Cameron Grimes, as the character of Ridge Holland would not. He would not have time for Cameron Grimes. Uh, I think the most interesting thing here is that Ridge is likely to be a face as a result of this. I think we could have seen it going either way, but I almost was leaning heel, Um but I don't think that you put him in this situation. He, he could still land that way, but I don't think you put him opposite Cameron Grimes if you don't have long-term the idea of badass babyface in him. Cameron Grimes goes over 36 seconds, goes over in the strictest sense. By disqualification, I assume. Not announced, but uh, but the ref stopped the match when Ridge Holland would not stop stomping a mud hole in Cameron Grimes. A little bit later in the show, Cameron Crimes backstage, uh, looking around for Regal. He runs into Dexter Loomis and stops cold and says, do you know where Regal is? I think it's hilarious that he asks this of Dexter Loomis, who has never spoken and then says, whatever, you're a creep. And, uh, and walks off, um, Great stuff with Loomis uh, on the question of the identity of the other person. We got some emails on that. So I will gather my um, gather my emails on that and see what I have to read while these guys speak on Cameron Grimes. Uh, Nate.
5: All right. So uh, I, I, too, had uh, you, you had me at Cameron Grimes is awesome Darrell. Um, yeah, this was this was great. I uh I love his just old school style heel work. Um I have since uh, I mean since he's really debuted it. Um it's it's just like yeah, he comes out he, he tries to you know, run down the crowd. It just, uh, it, everything is just everything. He does is brilliant, uh, brilliant heel work. I love him in the ring. Can't say enough good about him. Um, I love the, you know, the riff on, uh, on the, the gauntlet eliminator. I thought, I mean, as much as I, I did enjoy the match, um, at least, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the gauntlet eliminator match last week, the tail end in the beginning of the match. Um, but it, I, I like the fact that he was kind of shooting on that name. Um, you know, and, and, uh, it, just kind of every, all of the shenanigans going into it, you know, like you said, you know, I'm calling, calling both the guys, Joey, um, you know, couldn't really come up with anything better. What I really, really dug about this though, as much as I love Cameron Grimes, what I loved about this was Ridge Holland. Um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily sure where this segment was going to go, where he, uh, you know, where Grimes was just kind of having these, these jobbers come out. Um, I was kind of, I was expecting there, there was going to be three jobbers and then something was going to happen. I, just, I, I don't know why that was, what was in my head. But that was what I was expecting to happen. And then when I saw the, the second jobber, or, uh, whatever, Joey strong or whatever the hell he was called, got just kind of thrown out of the back and, and Ridge Holland came out. Um, I was like, I I was on the edge of my seat. I was super pumped to see Rich Holland. I knew we were going to see him soon. I think, I think he was even. I think last week, they even said he might be here this week. He'd be here this week, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, I knew we, we were going to see him soon. Um, we are coming down to the ring, getting in the ring with Grimes. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to go to a match between them either, because you know, where this was kind of like a, um, you know, a, a faux tournament thing. Um, I didn't really expect the ref to ring the bell and an actual quote match to take place, even if you could even call it a match. Um, the the beatdown that ridge holland gave grimes i get oh, i gotta give both of them credit grimes to the way he sold it but also uh you know to to uh, holland for the way that he dished it out um it looked brutal it looked really really vicious and you know you can't always say that about your know, certain beatdowns and wrestling you know you try to pretend they do but i uh, i thought that looked pretty uh you know, pretty damn uh believable um i think that you know, this does frame Ridge Holland as face. I, I think I would have rather seen him as a heel. I think that he, I think that character might work better as a heel, and he, but I'm, I'm willing to give it a, give it a shot. Um, You know, it, it I'm, I'm on board with the character. I, uh, I really just, just kind of like that stoic brooding uh, vibe that he has. Um, I'm always down with that um you know it it can be kind of overdone in professional wrestling but it when done right and done well it's uh it's one of it's one of my favorite character types in wrestling so um i'm looking forward to, to seeing you know kind of where he goes where he slots in but uh this 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 feud here with grimes is uh super super intriguing
3: um, I actually prefer him slightly, uh, on the baby face side of things and, um, he can kind of talk a little bit and, uh, but he doesn't have to talk a lot. The one thing I thought was, does this act make Dexter Loomis kind of redundant? <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, that is, I think that's a, that's a pretty decent question. Um, especially
5: especially if Holland stays on the face side, because that's where Loomis was. So yep, We'll see if it that's is, where he stays. I
3: think he's still there. So Grimes has got himself in a situation where he's opposite both of them, which is kind of funny, because Grimes is supposed to be a guy who finds himself in the wrong end of situations.
4: Uh, Tom? Funny enough, I recognize Ariel Dominguez from when I was covering the MLW tapings. He jobbed to, I'm going to say, Perot. Because even though it's spelled P-A-R-R-O-W and everyone says Perro, which sounds cool, Barrington-Hughes told me it's pronounced Perot. And I, ne- I never asked Mike himself. I never asked Mike Perot himself. I don't know if Barrington-Hughes was just ribbing me. One of these days, I'll tell that story enough times that somebody will finally give me the correct answer. Uh, maybe I should just, uh, maybe I should just message Barrington Hughes again and be like, dude, all right. It's been a couple of years now. I've been saying it this way for a while. You got me. Can you just let me know? Um, but it was, it was memorable enough that I remembered Ariel Dominguez also because the G, oh, well, when we recorded eight years back earlier today, I was referencing Boogie Knight. So here's another one for you. The G looked like a Q on his gear and I, I think the main reason I remember him is because I kept on uh I kept on going to his cage match. Like, is it is it is it a G or a Q? Like, ah, it's a Q, oh no, it's a Q. Uh okay, anyway. Um yeah, for all these specific reasons that you guys pointed out, I loved the Cameron Grimes invitational Stepping Stones to the Moon match where where Cameron Grimes had picked out his own opponents that he gave his own nicknames to. And Oh my goodness, you guys, you, you remember Honky Tonk Man and Ultimate Warrior, and the reason it worked being not Ultimate Warrior, but the fact that Honky had been working that act and aggravating crowds for uh, more than a year, I think, and not that this has to go for more than a year, but this yeah, has been such a... he was champ
3: for like 14 months, or yeah, something yeah. like that, 16 months.
4: I mean, the... This has been a sticking point with me for a while, and speaking of eight years back, we've even noticed it going that far back, that they will introduce a concept like this and then almost immediately throw it out the window, like Cassius Ono's sparring session. So it was like, okay, cool, this is going to be a few weeks of content here with, with Ono getting over his heel act. This could have been a few weeks of content, and then then ridge holland is we're, we're like who the hell is finally going to step up to the sky and then it's ridge holland and ridge gets over more because he's finally the one putting an end to this um so they just they just can't help themselves they couldn't even go one full segment without just barreling right to the end game with it um absolutely loved it wish we could have seen it for a lot longer
3: Yes, indeed. Um, Let's go to uh, the questions of the mystery person and uh, other things that these two people emailed us. This is from Jack Argyle. Hey guys, hope you guys are well and good. Gone into a localized lockdown in Swansea, so happy to be listening to the podcast. Really looking forward to Balor versus O'Reilly. Should be a great match. I'm expecting this mystery former champion to go straight into the main event scene. I've seen Bo Dallas mentioned, but feel like he's been de- defined down so much. Bobby Roode was someone I thought it could be, but that's out of the window. What about a returning KO to NXT who kicks Cole or O'Reilly out of the group and joins Undisputed Era. I know he has a program with Aleister Black, but he could easily trans- transition over and make a big impact. What do you guys think? Also not NXT related. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on the fantastic Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso match. I felt some real emotion during that beatdown before the towel was thrown in. Cheers, guys, and stay safe. Jack A from Swansea, Wales. Um, I've, I only watch the main roster pay-per-views, and, uh, normally I'm caught up on them. Cause I watch them on the day. I fell way back and I actually f- watched payback on the night of clash of champions. That's <laughs> how far back I am. So, um, and then I just out of habit went to Twitter. What, what are people saying about payback? And I'm like, Roman reigns, what he's, what has he got to do with anything? Um, or Roman reigns, J Uso. Uh, yeah. So ruined that for myself, but you know, I would have guessed the outcome. Um, from everything I read, I would say that all I can say is it's hard to get me to even consider watching the main roster. But the storytelling and some of the sound bites they've shown from Jey Uso make me want to consider it. Uh, yeah. K.O. joining uh, Undisputed Era, um, I don't think that dynamic makes sense, but I'm not against K.O., being this person necessarily
6: we're now on patreon by popular demand you can now support us directly through patreon go to patreon.com slash pwtorch VIP we have three tiers including an entry level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away you can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Progressing podcast Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and the PW torch daily cast that's 14 podcasts per week. But with the ads and plugs edited out, plus you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com slash VIP, We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter, the current ones and 20 years ago version. So go check it out, patreon.com slash VIP.
4: Tom? So I think the mystery person is going to have something to do with the the main men's title match or the main women's title match, and that was that much more solidified when they looked at the takeover advertisements that had those matches promoted on it. I think that the men's match is more likely to have some, some uh, after-the-bell goings-on that don't involve a a newly added individual, um, which has me leaning that much more to the women's match. And I know that Ember Moon has had so much trouble with her Achilles or both of her Achilles or re-injuring her Achilles or whatever it is, but she's still the one I keep going back to. I thought that she was going to be the SmackDown hacker. I know everybody was saying Mustafa Ali. I was thinking Ember. Um, and, and, you know, I, I said it in the hits and misses. I said it on Twitter, but when we recorded the show last week, I guess, I guess the first time I saw that package, you know, there, there are two levels of audio distortion going or two layers of audio distortion going on. And I guess the deeper sounding ones stood out to me more on the first time through. So it didn't even occur to me that it could be a woman, but clearly the voice distortion and the fact that we're not seeing this person from the front. Um, you know, it, it, it conceals what gender they are. And then further than that, uh, WWE, when they tweet about it, they're using, uh, um, gender neutral pronouns. Um, so it's really, really wide open. There are so many possibilities, but Ember Moon is really the one that I keep going back to. Um, and I, I, either way though, I do not feel like whoever this is, is going to end up in the undisputed era storyline. I think that they'll probably end up being the next challenger, uh for, for the uh for the championship. Um and the uh, uh oh my gosh, yes, Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. My my hot take on Twitter right after it happened was it's one of the best wrestling uh best examples of wrestling art that I have seen. Um this was incredible. It was cinematic in in a sense, not in the way that we've come to use it in 2020 regarding wrestling, but it, it was like you know, we've had matches like uh John Cena and Bray Wyatt that try to evoke The Dark Knight, and we've had so many matches that try to evoke various uh Rocky movies. This was like the godfather two of wrestling matches. So there was yeah. so much going on that just like put over the Roman Reigns character. And even though you knew that Jay Uso was just going to get destroyed, you knew going in. Uh, you couldn't help but just cheer for this guy and ju- I, just the oh, my gosh, the layers of, you know, call me the tribal chief and refusing to do it. And then the brother does it and asking for the lay and, and you know, again, evoking the Godfather, too. And, and it almost feels like sort of a mafia thing. And then just the basic thing that they are building this so much on the Samoan dynasty, that family. But it doesn't feel like. They're they're relying on any negative stereotypes like have been done in the past. This feels like a genuine story that's being told. And just the I mean, we've been waiting for ages, not just for this framing of Roman in so many different ways, but for him to take off the damn vest. And I know he has the issue with the hernia and and, and all of that. But finally, he takes off the vest, signaling a shift. But he also does it for this match this match that has to do with that Samoan heritage when he's going up against his cousin and he's finally showing off all of those glorious tribal tattoos I mean there were so many layers to it and it was just perfectly executed it has me on board for whatever they do next and there are multiple directions that they could go and this is this is a a character that if they keep hitting it uh, they don't even have to hit it this hard this was like we're lucky if we get a match this good that tells this good of a story. You know, everybody loves their work rate and whatever. But if we if we get stories like this, which is why I watch wrestling, we're lucky to get one this good every couple of years. I was blown away by just how excellent the build was and then just how well they, they hit it out of the park. And I think if they keep riding this, they can uh, rake in money with Roman for at least two years uh, before anything starts to feel rote with it.
3: Yeah. I forgot to ask this other uh read this other email before I threw to uh you guys, so let me throw this in there. Brian Alston says this is a Raw thing, but out of the 18 former NXT champions, eight were on the September 28th edition of Raw, and most faced each other. Keith Lee versus Andrade, Alistair Black versus Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre versus Robert Roode. Also present were uh, Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe. Regarding the vignette with a returning former champion, while I don't think it's possible, what if it is Adrian Neville, aka Pac? Besides facing Finn Balor, name two other current NXT wrestlers that should fight Neville. Thanks, friends. Uh, Brian Alston. Um, so, Neville has been stuck in uh, England, unable to get back over to uh, perform on AEW. Uh, I don't have any reason to believe that he's free of that contract, nor if he was, he would show up over. LA. He didn't leave on the greatest of terms. Um,. I I don't know how spicy it all was, but, uh, I know that he was frustrated with what he thought was, um, a glass ceiling that he just would never break through. So it's hard to believe he would go over for anything less than a ton of money. Um, and I'm not sure that's what really drives him. So, I I mean, it kind of drives all of us, but you know what I mean? um, I don't think it's possible. It would be wild, but I would just be really surprised. And I do still think it's probably Ember Moon. Um, Nate? Yeah, so I, I don't think it's, uh, it's, it's Neville either. Um,
5: you know, I mean, from, at least like you know, wikipedia is still saying he's he's you know uh he's under a w contract i haven't seen anything that leads me to believe that he is um you know no longer under contract with them or, or anything like that so i i think that that would be a, a long shot but if you if you bet on it and you're right you'd probably be pretty rich um It's, uh, yeah, it's something I don't necessarily see, see happening, but, um, I I'd like to see it happen. I'd I'd like to see him back in the NXT environment. But, uh, at the same time, uh, I, I I think he's going to flourish outside of WWE, um, as, uh, as he's already shown that he's been able to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that you know, that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of where I think that is. Um, with uh, let me switch back over here to the other email because uh, I can only do one thing at a time here. Um, I'll kind of scro- I'll go back to the Roman Reigns versus the uh, Jey Uso thing. Um, it's not NXT related, but uh, I kind of do want to chime in on that because, damn, that was a. That was phenomenal match. I can't, I can't do it as good a justice as as Tom did. Uh, kind of going back and 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 uh, you explaining why he liked it because I liked it for just about every reason that he did as well. Um, I have never been on the Roman Reigns train. Never. Um, I've I've appreciated him as a person. I like him as a person, but I've never liked his in ring work. Um, with with the exception of some of the stuff with like the Shield, but he, <laughs> excuse me but even then i kind of thought that i always thought he was like the third guy i i i always liked Seth and, and Dean much better than than Roman um this match was the first time that i've looked at roman reigns and i went okay they finally got it they've got it um i liked you know the fact that the whole just the whole look changed the no more vest the, the you know the change in the pants um the, the and I, I think, I think he had worked on, on his teeth. He just, he looked, he looked different. He looked more jacked. Um, he looked great. The, the, the build of the match, everything that they did in the match, um, you know, just kind of go, your know, family, cousins and all of this. It was, it was beautiful, beautiful storytelling. Um, I, Kelly, go watch it. Get get there, man. Although you keep telling me to watch New Japan and I don't. So, hey, okay, you know
3: what? Whatever. But um, yeah, and SmackDown's only recently good. So you got that's nothing true. here. No, no.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I know that. I know that. I'm just talking. I'm just talking. Um, as far as the hacker goes. So last week, yeah, I, I came up with Bo Dallas uh, because that was like – that was really the only thing I could think of. And similar to Tom, I also only picked up on the deep tones of the you know, modulated voice. I didn't like and actually I, I, I'd have to go back and watch unless, you know, you guys tell me definitively that last week those, the you know, kind of the, the male and female tones were there and that dis- the voice distortion because I totally did not hear them last week. Uh, this week they stood out to me big time uh, and Ember Moon was somebody that popped into my head as somebody that it, it could potentially be uh earlier today i happened to see something on social media where she was riding with um oh god i don't even remember who it was with but she she was riding with somebody they were going somewhere and uh so i was like oh okay cool so she's kind of you know back in the in the mix uh so she popped into my head um i i I kind of still think it's either Bo Dallas or, or Ember Moon simply because of that one line last week, coming back for the title. Um, you know, Bo Dallas is the only one that really makes sense. Uh, Bobby Roode was, was also a name that we threw out, but that you know, um, you know, it, that, that kind of got thrown out. So, um, you know, with, with what happens, uh, on, on, on uh, I think we went SmackDown. So it, uh, or, or I don't know something happened, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so Ember Moon or, or Bo Dallas, kind of really where uh, where it seems like it would be. I would be really, I would be totally fine if it was uh, Kevin Owens. Um, I am a huge, huge fan of uh, Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen, um, you know, the person as well as the wrestler. Um, I, I love the guy, so I would love to see him come back to NXT. I uh, um, he didn't spend a whole lot of time in NXT, uh, but he was such a dominant character while he was there i would love to see that version of ko come back um you know that the, the prize fighter the prize fighter kevin owens is like just my favorite kevin owens uh, you know in, at least in the wwe environment so uh i would be all for that if for him to come back kind of re- especially if he was to revitalize either that character or a version of that character um but i i i think the odds of that are kind of slim as well um especially if he was to come back to fight uh, uh sorry uh yeah join undisputed era um i i'd be curious to see what that story was because of the whole takeover thing where he came in to feud against undisputed era um uh sorry not ta- uh, take over war games to be more more specific um where he was the you know the 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 uh uh mystery man mystery opponent so I'd like to see what that story would be They'd have to tell something compelling for me to be OK with him kind of to just join Undisputed Era. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I could I could be down and, and I'm sure they could tell me a story that would, uh, you know, would compel me to, to do so. So, um, yeah, uh, I think I touched on everything. There was a lot, but I think I touched on it all.
4: Yeah. And I will say that both layers of the distortion were there. And I mean, even if there was only one, it's still distortion. So like one is higher, one is lower. And we can say male and female. But uh, obviously with the with the much, much lower one, our minds immediately go to male. But they're being non specific enough. And speaking of that, I will also point out that they are we're predicting former champions, but they are being uh, vague enough in the verbiage that it doesn't even have to be that. It could just be someone who is uh, was either a challenger or maybe was never a challenger and just felt like they should have been championed. It, it can true. be framed anyway, so it's it's completely wide open. But I, even even looking up and down the rosters, uh, Ember Moon still uh, jumps out to me, even though I know that deep down all of us really want it to be Ghost Recon Eva Marie. That's That's my... Little joke that I've been going to, although I, I, you know, I liked what she did in when she went to NXT and she she tried. She really tried Uh, just to just to answer Alston's thing um, about who who I'd like Neville to face. I mean, Neville is so damn good that let's just say the entire roster. Um, But thinking about it while you guys were talking, I think that the two I'm going to say are Priest and Cole.
3: And I've got Kushida and Roddy down. But how do you leave any of these guys out yeah. of uh, out of the list? I was yeah. just
4: as close to saying Strickland and O'Reilly. I mean,
3: yeah. oh
5: god, just as I thought I had them down. You guys said, and I, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know who I'd pick. I was I was going to say O'Reilly and and um, um, uh, Thick Boy, um, yeah,
0: Bronson and Reed, and Reed,
5: Bronson Reed. But because uh, I think that would be a, just kind of a cool you know size clash. But um, but yeah, that Kushida and. Uh, strong and i i just want you i'd love to see him come back and feud the entire roster i don't think it's going to happen but man i'd love to see it
4: all at once he could handle it
3: hell yeah in 2012 nxt transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today on the torch vip podcast nxt eight years back we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in nxt's early history
4: Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members.
3: All right, there were three other matches on this show, but we've kind of really surfed around the edges of a couple of them, so uh, so we've more or less done them. Shotzi Blackheart opened against Dakota Kai 1308. This went in a. Shotzi goes over, uh, and this was kind of to further the Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez storyline. Uh, Adam Cole wrestled Austin Theory. This went twelve fifty seven. Cole absolutely destroyed Theory for a while. Um, and my favorite part of this was Theory, like five minutes into the match, Theory had not done one offensive move, but he kicked out. And he goes, I can do this all day. And he's just been destroyed to this point. If uh, It kills me that Theory's got this um, other side that we don't know a lot about uh, because he's really, really good at these aspects of uh, being a heel. Yet, yet again, he gets a lot of minutes with a high-end guy, and yet again he loses. Caden Carter beats Xia Lee in a match that is... It seems kind of like they repeated the last step, but Zaya uh, but Lee again, sort of turns heel here on Caden Carter when uh, she won't shake her hand, um, but she's understandably frustrated because uh, she just lost on a roll-up to a lower-card person in three minutes and 23 seconds. So so I get it, Zaya. I get it. So Shotzi and Dakota, colon Theory... Caden and Zaya, I, I know we kind of covered the first two, and there's maybe not a lot to sink our teeth in on the third, but we still got some emails as well. So there you go. I rolled them together, Tom.
4: Yeah, I'm not sure if Shotzi is reliant on just having good—I mean, this is something you could say about anybody, you know, having, having good chemistry with people. But you have people like an Austin Theory who is like Putty, and he just melds to— what he molds to whatever style the other person is working and makes them look fantastic. Uh, Shotzi, it really seems like it has, it's gotta be the right opponent for her and Dakota sure seems like she's that right opponent because this was, like I said earlier, some of the best that I've, that I've seen Shotzi uh, put out there, but yeah, I mean, theory sure is making up for lost time. Um, and, and since, since my, comparing (laughs) comparing his work to Shotzi's, uh covered my point on the match itself i'll say that in his pre-match promo i really liked that he's um i liked his approach of talking about how young he is saying that something happened 15 years ago was more than half of his lifetime ago because he's talking up his youth and how he's a prodigy but in a way that sounds uh, bratty and inexperienced to the people who are actually watching. Um, So I thought that, that rode that line nicely. Um, Caden Carter, Casey Catanzaro and Zia Lee are always welcome on my TV screen. I like that they're getting this time. Um, If, if, if Caden Carter, I know that they wanted to do the roll up thing, but if Caden Carter is going to be winning matches, I want her to be doing it with that cool submission move that I always talk about her doing. And the one time we've seen her do it on TV, I don't feel like she quite, Hit it the way that I've seen her hit it in dark matches, um, but uh, but for for as cool as it was to see Carter wrestling a singles match on TV again, uh, this was really about leading to uh, Lee versus Catanzaro, And Catanzaro feels like she is uh, she's she's in those starting blocks, or, or, or I guess it's on on the the starting blocks here. Uh, for even though she's being framed in this tag team, it seems like she's really. Uh, being positioned for a again i i I use the word careful with her um you know she she's been an interesting one to track that they they've been careful with her but i think they're finally at a point where she has connected the dots enough in a way that we hadn't seen she had connected them prior to her hiatus that they can keep on popping her on tv in in these ways putting her in these tertiary uh, uh segments and eventually you can look at her as a title contender Um, Maybe not one who's going to win, but an interesting title contender with a story to tell uh, who is captivating, not just through her athleticism, but in the the, you know, David versus Goliath story that she's going to tell up against pretty much any opponent she's in there with. Um, I'm very hopeful for for her. And it seems like she's in the right position right now.
3: Nate, on uh, on those three matches.
4: Yeah so I'll start with uh, I'll start with Blackheart and
5: uh Kai I uh, I really 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 dug this uh this match so the whole um you know, and like you know, like we said, it was obviously kind of a way to uh, you kind of kind of keep things going here with um, you know, kind of the build with uh, well, kind of the build with Shotzi and Kai, but then we also have the the background feud with Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley kind of going on, and and that took place in here. Um, just really everything about it, I I, I liked. I thought it was great in ring work from uh from both women. Um, there were just. Two things that I, like I said a little earlier, there was a couple other nitpicks I had in the night and they both happened here in this match. And this is, I can in a way it's kind of, I guess unfair to point point and single them out because this is kind of just a, a, a way matches have gone in recent times. But, um, so throughout the entirety of the first commercial break that they did in picture and picture, um, Kai had Shotzi in a very, like a whole bunch of various different submission holds. And no sooner did they come back from commercial break, which is something we see them do all the time. No sooner they come back from commercial break. It's like, okay, it's go time. And all of a sudden Shotzi is no selling all of the submission offense that she just took and is boom, right on top. She's getting all this offense and she's, you know, and in control of the match Uh, later on in the match. Um, it was the exact opposite. And you had Kai in this really, it was actually, I don't even know what you'd call it. Uh, Shotzi had this really cool submission on. It was almost like this like reverse half Nelson and uh, like a a leg lock submission type thing. Um, But it was like, it was almost like 60 seconds that she had this this in for. And then no sooner does Kai escape, she's like right back on her feet and she ends up taking control of the match. Uh, It's... Again, it's kind of a nitpicky thing, but at the same time, it just completely took me out of the moment because I went, whoa, how'd you get right back up? Um, and it was both times I did that and I said that. And I, it, it happened in other matches throughout the course of the night, but like those just blatantly stood out to me. Maybe because they happened back to back, I don't know. But um, they just they stood out for me and they, they took me out of the moment. Um, that said, uh, I still really really enjoyed everything about this with the exception of those two, two spots kind of took me out of it. Um, I'm, I'm really high on everybody uh, involved here. So, um, you know, it, it, it I don't want it to sound like it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of crapping on the match or anything like that. It's just, it, that's one thing that's like, it's just a bit of a pet peeve of mine. And I know that it's, it's a lot of people talk about, it, especially a lot of, you know, like a lot of the old timers are like, ah, I get, get off my lawn and sell more. But, uh, you know, it's something i i kind of in a way i agree with um other than that though really liked it and uh I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to uh looking forward to see both of these feuds uh progress forward um then let's go over to uh what we what else we got we got austin theory and um uh who oh, uh, austin theory wasn't John. adam cole so adam cole thank you so austin theory and cole so as uh, as tom said in that opening um the opening segment uh, or not opening segment but, you know it's theories uh, interview um the his age the, the the age comparison that he made that actually really stood out to me as well and i thought he delivered that beautifully because it did it came across in that way where it's like he he's super cocky but at the same time he's like kind of underhand oh you know you've been in this business 15 years. Well, Hey, old man, I'm about to take you to school. Um, I I really like really dug that. And it it is kind of sad that he has this like dark cloud over him because I, I was so high on him before all of these allegations. And again, yeah, we don't know the allegations and we're probably never going to know the full story or, or, or anything like that. But, um, it's kind of sad that we have to, we have to look at theory through that lens um, because I think his, his heel work here was, was brilliant. Uh, the way he was, you know, just kind of, you know, John off in the ring, uh, you know, multiple times throughout, you know, like that one, you know, you said earlier, he's like, I could do this all day. And he had a couple other spots too, where he was, uh you know, he was trash talking throughout and it, it just adds that extra, nuance to the character uh that extra layer to the match and and uh i i really really can appreciate that
3: it's um, cool that he talks trash when he's in control it's hilarious yeah that he talks trash when he's getting beat up yes. i absolutely love it
5: and uh so i guess like you know, sidebar and I guess a little bit of a self plug. If you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, uh, each time, uh, I, we did a, uh, we did a worldwide wrestling RPG playthrough. And one of my, one of my, uh, friends did a, uh, character, uh, the mind creep. He was like just this really, really awful magician. And that was his thing. He's like, every time he'd get beaten up, I could do this all day. There's actually one of the lines he said, and, uh, you know, it, it, very, very, similar uh similar to that character. Um so I drew a lot of comparisons to that. And I know ninety nine percent of you would not draw a comparison to that, but that was what went through my head anyway. Um so uh yeah, like really uh, I really dug really dug that match. Um I just I hate the fact that we have to look through uh look look at theory through that lens um i really wish and i, I feel like i'm saying this every week and I, I hate to sound like a broken record i just wish they were a little bit more transparent with all of that stuff regarding theory and dream and and you know devlin and whatever but anyway that is that um with the uh the women um i'm really glad to see Zia lee uh casey catanzaro and Kaden carter getting this time on tv i think this uh the fact that they are they're not just giving them the time, but they're they're consistently getting the time is really promising for all three women. Um, I, as Tom said, anytime they're on on TV, like give me more. Uh, um, you know, Lee, even going back to me on classic, she really really wowed me. I think it was the second one. I don't remember if she was in both of them, but I know she was in the second one. Um, in that one, she like really wowed me in, and I've really wanted to see more out of her in nxt um and she's just kind of you know been floating around a little bit um so you know it was a couple weeks ago where we started to see a little bit more fire out of her i thought that might play into the battle royal last week and it it did to a point but not really um and then this week it was you know like uh, i think it was i think it was kelly's kind of kelly said it was a a little bit of a rehash of of what they did a couple weeks ago here um however i think it was it was worth it um to kind of you know kind of you know do the handshake and or snubbing the handshake again you know, because it's like okay i gave you two chances to you know to make nice and and shake hands and all that and and you you snub me both times um so it kind of uh you know kind of builds builds that story there uh but it also you know it also builds Ka, um lee in in that in a way where she's uh, uh you know she came off uh she came off two losses from you know, undercard wrestlers that she probably shouldn't have lost to, you know, K-Fame, probably shouldn't have lost to. Uh, I can understand why she's frustrated, and, and I feel like she's pulling that off pretty well. That's the vibe that I'm getting from it. Um, you know, they're not necessarily saying that, or maybe they are, I don't know. But it, it, if they're not necessarily, you know, that wasn't what I heard anyway. Um, but that's the vibe I'm getting. So I, I think they're they're pulling it off well. Um, but, uh, yeah, Casey. Casey is somebody that I think, like, I think she's got a lot of star potential, um, especially, you know, with her American Ninja, American Ninja warrior background know, yeah, She's already got a following of people. I'm sure it's, I mean, it's not a massive following of people, but I mean, started to get a following of people. Then, you know, you kind of get her, you build her up a little bit more. Um, and I think since she's come back, you know, like you said, she has connected those dots and we've seen, we've seen every time I've seen her out, she's, she's impressed me. Um, you know, and, and I don't feel like she was as green as she was a year ago, uh, or more. So, um, overall, uh, thumbs up with, uh, with the women and, uh, looking forward to seeing more out of, uh, Zia Lee,
4: especially who was in the first Mae Young Classic, and I remember that because it was billed as her first ever match. match. Not -hmm. just like... Oh, that's right! But her first ever match. And that's believable because she was in there with Mercedes Martinez, and Martinez is such a veteran that I think she could make anybody (laughs) look good. Um, And then in the second second year, of course, yeah, she got through to the second round and lost to Perazzo. But that first round, I think, is her most memorable moment moment because she and karen q started that match with their like mortal combat poses that was fun
2: he is i and i am him and i'm Matt Taven, the real Ring of Honor world champion. And you know how I show everyone that I get it? By tuning in to the Podcast of Honor with Tyler and my personal main man, Ryan.
3: This is Ryan. And I'm Tyler. And we are the hosts of the wildly popular PW Torch VIP
2: show, Podcast of Honor.
4: Our show covers everything Ring of Honor wrestling, from analysis, show recaps, and wide-ranging interviews with the stars of Ring of Honor.
2: Download the Podcast of
3: Honor each week and support the best podcast on the PW Torch VIP Network. Okay, rolled three matches together because I thought it would uh, save us on time, but um, but you weren't having it, were you? So we are. Do I ever? <laughs> uh, oh God, no. Uh, so I'm gonna roll a couple of emails together, and then I'm not gonna throw tonight. Uh, I'm kidding. Okay, so Tim Scott says. Just wanted to send in a few thoughts regarding TakeOver 31. It seems like the prevailing sentiment is that this is nothing more than a B-level show, given the lack of build we've gotten over the last few weeks. I actually agree that the only match with a legit story going in is the Cruiserweight Championship, but I must say that video package for Kylo O'Reilly went a long way toward building my anticipation for his match with Finn Balor as well as learning more on the future of Undisputed Era. From top to bottom, in my opinion, the match card they put together is truly a work-rate lover's dream. Compared to takeovers past, how high is your level of excitement for this Sunday? And how important do you feel this show is in terms of resetting the landscape of NXT going forward? As always, thank you for your time and effort. Best wishes to the three of you. Tim Scott, VIP member, Virginia Beach. P.S. Fingers crossed for an Ember Moon comeback. Please, God, make it happen. Um, And Kevin Catani says, I hope this email finds you well. I know I've said this before, but if there was ever a Kelly episode, this was that episode. Dakota, Kushida, Grimes, Santos, Swerve. It's like they knew he'd be watching. Despite the thrown-together feel that this takeover has in some respects, I, for one, am excited for the title matches. All the challengers are credible, and you really could make a case for any of them winning. I'm not sure if we've had that in a while, and I'm pumped for Sunday. That said, presuming that all of the champs keep their belts, who is the next credible matchup for each of the big three? Thanks. As always, office hours are now over. Um, Well to answer both of them at the same time I think that this is a big reset for the landscape potentially and uh, as such it's really hard to answer Katani's question of uh, who those next challengers would be because he said assuming they all retain but I I'm not assuming they all retain Uh, they're going to give this seemingly inconsequential show a feeling of consequence by having some stuff happen I am predicting both Uh, the Women's Championship, well, okay, I'm I'm predicting Women's Championship to change hands, and I wouldn't be overly shocked to see the Cruiserweight Championship change hands, Uh, and if it doesn't, I don't know where Swerve goes from here, Uh, but I think that in a loss, Escobar's still got plenty of gas, and if he loses, I think it will not be overly long before he finds himself in the North American championship picture and he can do what he can with that championship as well. So my, this show, I guess did what it was supposed to do. I am more excited tonight than I was uh, a day ago. It It's weird because two weeks ago, none of these matches existed, but uh, five singles matches that all look like they'll deliver on some level, I I think that we can safely be excited about this show, even though emotionally it's not likely to pack a punch, unless they really, really do something with Undisputed Era, and I think that's possible. I think the women will go on last, and if they don't, I think that something really big is happening with Undisputed Era, like even anything's on the table, including the end of Undisputed Era for me. Tom.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, tonight's show almost felt, you know, minus the matches and even and even still with some of them, it felt like a pre show before a pay-per-view. Um, and I mean, we, how many more times do, am I going to say that it just they scrambled? to throw this together. So yeah, it doesn't even feel like a takeover. They gave it the worst name that takeover has ever had. Takeover 31. I mean, <laughs> takeover rival was pretty bad. Um, yeah, but yeah, Takeover 31, I mean, come on, it's not even, it's not even precedented that you, not, whatever.
3: Um, Our Evolution had its own annoying vibe to it as well.
4: And of course...
3: I, I got it. Yeah, right,
4: <laughs> right. They they were cutesy at the beginning, and Our Evolution, I just, I forgive it because it was such an incredible show. Um, and maybe <laughs> this one will be too, but it just does not feel like a takeover, and as as interested as I am in the women's match, it probably won't feel like a takeover until we get to Kyle versus Finn, which they've just, it's been a magic trick, um, building this the way that they have over like a week and a half. Um, and uh, the, the title picture afterwards, we are headed towards Survivor Series and there might end up being some other crossover there. Titles, I guess, probably won't be on the line if they do it the way that they have uh, have been doing it in past years. So that aside, I suppose, as suggested earlier with Kushida and unfortunately Velveteen Dream, um, it feels like the me- both men's titles are just wide open. Um, one name that I hovered around for North American is Cameron Grimes. It does seem like, um, he's just not, I don't want to say gatekeeper. I don't want to say jobber to the stars, but it does feel like they don't want to put him in big programs right now. And I do remember that he just feuded with Damian Priest pre Damian Priest's title win, uh, like what, two months ago, but I still feel like that feels fresh. And Cameron Grimes and Damian Priest are on enough of a role right now. Uh, respectively, that that could be interesting, and uh, and yeah, they're not going to go with Cameron Grimes, unfortunately. So uh, and, and Priest, I want him to have a decent run here, so he needs people uh, that he can beat, but are interesting to beat, and I think Grimes fits that bill. For for the men, um, I think I think you gotta do something with Champa. Um, I I don't know how you get get away with him losing, but you gotta do something with Champa. Um. uh, the big thing that's up in the air is how long it's going to take cross to get back. But the other one I'm seeing is uh, why not see what Bronson Reed can do in the spot. I'm not saying that it has to be a takeover main event, but why not actually take some time um, and, and do a TV program with him. See, uh, see what you can get out of Reed in that spot and um, try to put him over with a loss by having Balor shake his hand afterward or something. Uh, And for the women, things are still circling right on back to Rhea this is like the least inspired answer ever, and 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 like with the men, there are many women that you can pop up into into contention, uh, very believably right now. Uh, it's it's still a strong division, um, but as things circle back to Rhea, let's get a TV program with Raquel. That one also, like with Reed, does not need to be a takeover, but um, you know, let's uh, let's see Raquel in that spot. Although, if Candace does win, I guess that. Um, that one's off the table. Cause you're not going to want to see Candace versus Raquel.
3: Okie dokie. Um, yeah, that, uh, that might be a problem. Although I did see Candace against, uh, Chuck e. T. So, um, mm. so she, she can do the, uh, the size mismatch thing. Um, Nate. Yeah.
5: So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief. I think, uh, I think Tom touched on everything pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, you know, so yeah, it's like, even coming into tonight, I wasn't super excited about, you know, take over 31. Um, however, coming out of tonight, I I am. Uh, I wouldn't say super like WrestleMania excited or Royal Rumble excited. Uh, cause I, I think I might even get more excited for the Rumble than Mania, but um, I you know I wouldn't say I'm like that level excited. But you know, especially the the, the match between uh, O'Reilly and, and Balor, I i really like the way the way you put it tom it, it it was a magic trick the way that they they really built this up um you know, it wasn't it wasn't really anything we were thinking about uh, you know a couple of weeks ago and now here we are and i'm i'm invested i i i really like the way they put that uh you know, that segment together tonight um you know like i said earlier i wish it might have been a little bit more quote live not necessarily taped and, and cinematic but um However, it may not have come across in the same way if they did it that way. So, uh, so I appreciate it. Um, that's a match that I think I'm looking forward to the most personally. However, um, you know, you got Escobar and Scott, that's right up there. Uh, Shari and, and LaRace, I mean, is, is in inco- is inconsequential as the show seems we're going to get five just amazing work rate matches out of, uh, out of this, uh, out of this card. Um, and like like uh, Kelly was saying, it it seems inconsequential. So I think something of consequence is going to happen. Um, you know, I uh, in a way I'm hesitant to say that it's going to be an undisputed era breakup. I could see it happening, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. But right now, with with COVID and every everything, and, and you know, there's this breakout right now, and uh, you know, going through NXT and stuff, it's like do you want to take a big risk right now and break up your big or your, your main, like your main uh, stable? Um, yes, that could, you know, you know, if you do that, I mean, you could obviously interchange those four for singles, but do you want to take this, you know, your bread and butter stable and break it up right now? It, it I mean, it would, at least in my opinion, I think it might be a risk. So I don't know. Um, like I said wouldn't surprise me if it happened, but at least that's something that i'm that I'm thinking about um so uh yeah i I think the like uh like Kelly said, if the women go on or you know. If the women go on earlier in the night, I think there's something big that's going to happen with Undisputed Era later on in the night, probably, you know, for the main event. Uh, Otherwise, I do think the women are probably going to be in the main event spot. Um, There's one other thing that Kelly said earlier tonight that uh, this is the first takeover that has all singles matches on it. And you'd need your Harley to tell you. And, hey, I did it for you. I looked through Wikipedia. I went through all of the takeovers. And you're right. This is the first one with all singles matches.
3: Wow. All right. It, it felt right, but I thought one of them was going to sneak in there somewhere. Yeah. Apparently not. Uh, we've gone stupid long, but we got one more email from JB, and we are going to answer this in very short form. That's what we're going to do. With O'Reilly <laughs> wrestling for the NXT title this Sunday, no, I demand it. <laughs> With O'Reilly wrestling for this, the NXT title this Sunday, at takeover. Which of the following do you think is the most likely direction of UE as a whole in the coming months? number one o'reilly turns fully face and breaks away from ue in a rivalry against cole number two cole turns fully face and breaks away from the ue in a rivalry against o'reilly three ue stay face and or turn heel and continue being a main event presence in the nxt landscape for the ue stay face and or turn heel and are moved to raw or smackdown either at the draft or during the survivor series brand crossover also you have to feel gutted for Tegan. a third acl injury in about three years is about as bad as it can get for a pro wrestler Uh, My answer is number five, Kyle and Adam both go face and the other two stay heel and the undisputed era name is retired fairly soon. Uh, Maybe ballsy, but that's what I've got. Nate.
5: Yeah. I'm i I'm kind of thinking it's going to be probably number. uh, I'm going to say probably either number one or two. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards towards uh, uh, two, but we'll see. Tom?
6: Yeah,
4: uh, what you said is more or less what I detailed earlier, uh, some kind of disagreement between the currently split, presented as face, presented as heel, uh, sides of Undisputed Era in their approach to the match. Uh, that that leads to a split. That yes, indeed, retires the undisputed era name. There isn't a reformation with a new leader or anybody else joining or, or anything. Um, that that's what I was thinking was most likely. But man, it really seemed suspect that they focused so much, so much throughout the show on how much Kyle and Adam just love each other. So yeah. it yeah. it really has me thinking that there's that there's a coal turn a coming. But you know again like i said earlier i've said this kind of thing before about the undisputed era so
3: yeah this is like predicting the uh oscar losing her title or shame (laughs) oh Um, yeah yeah just don't do it just don't ever predict it i'm kelly wells you can find me all over social media at spooky milk uh that's that's all i'm doing this time tom
4: at tom stop go vip so you can hear nxt eight years back
3: and nate all right, at Natlinberg on Twitter, I write the NXT
5: hits and misses which will be up earlier, uh, sorry, not earlier this week, later this week. And uh now if you'll excuse me, here in New England, September has ended. I've got to go find a new Green Day and wake him up. Oh, this guy. I've been oh. waiting for years for an opportunity to make that awful
3: joke. God, that song is terrible and they've got so many good ones. Okay. Anyway, we will uh we will see you in 7, folks. Cheers. Have you subscribed
6: to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan where he examines a single topic in depth and then Sunday nights it's wrestling night in America with Greg Parks you can listen live or download the show later at pwtorchdailycast.com just click on the live stream link he takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at pwtorchdailycast.com reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information pwtorchdailycast.com.